You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Something interesting happens on the way. Sunni and Shia references have mentioned that a number of miracles happened on the way to Medina. I will share with you one of them, there are many. One of them is that the Prophet was traveling until he reached a village and there was a well-known tent in that village by the name of Khaymat Umm Ma'bad. Umm Ma'bad was a generous woman. Her tent was situated on a pathway of travelers. Whoever would pass by, if she had any food, any water, she would give them. So now the Prophet is very tired, fatigued. Those Muslims who were with him, they're very tired. They have not had food for a while. And when they arrived at that tent, they asked Umm Ma'bad, can you serve us? Do you have anything to give us? On that day, she had no food. She ran of all provisions and food. So the Prophet was examining the landscape and he saw a sheep. There was an old, fatigued, even sick sheep. The Prophet pointed at that sheep and he told Umm Ma'bad, you know, can we take advantage of this sheep, milk the sheep? She told him, oh man, I, I wish I could offer that to you, but that sheep cannot produce any milk. It's fatigued, it's old, it's, it's even sick. If it had a drop of milk, I would give it to you, but it doesn't. The Prophet said, bring, bring the sheep, I'll take care of it. Sunni and Shia references indicate that when the sheep was presented to the Prophet with his blessed hand, he wiped on the sheep and especially the udder of the sheep where you milk the sheep from and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave blessing to that sheep and immediately it started to produce milk. In fact, it produced so much milk that the container which they used to collect the milk started overflowing. So the, the Prophet took a cup and he gave it to Umm Ma'bad, you know, she owns the sheep. She drank until she became full. Then the Muslims drank, then the Prophet took some milk. So this was one of the miracles that everyone witnessed there. The second miracle was that Umm Ma'bad had a son who was paralyzed and deformed, he could not move. When she saw that this man is blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, she brought her son before the Prophet. She told him, you are a righteous man and I saw how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered your prayer. Can you do something for my son? The Prophet told her, can you bring me a piece of date, tamr? The Prophet was given the tamr. The Prophet took the tamr, he chewed the date and then he fed it to that paralyzed boy. As soon as the boy took those dates from the Prophet's mouth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala healed him instantaneously. And he was able to move, he was able to talk. And she saw that before her eyes. Now the Prophet takes the seed of that date and he plants it in the ground. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders a palm tree to grow. That palm tree grows and it starts giving fruits. Throughout the year it would offer dates and it was a well-known palm tree. People would come to the palm tree to seek 
you know, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the Prophet had planted it. Now history tells us the fate of that palm tree. When the Prophet passed away, that palm tree stopped giving dates. When Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib was killed and struck in Kufa, that very palm tree no longer became green and it dried. And the day on which Imam Hussain was martyred, that palm tree started producing blood and people would actually see that. So we see this, you know, interesting relationship between this palm tree and the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. The Prophet takes some milk, they're now refreshed, energized, they continue going north. Her husband, Abu Ma'bad, he comes later and he asks her, was there a gathering here, what happened? So she told her husband what happened. Abu Ma'bad asks Umm Ma'bad, can you tell me about the description of this man? Describe him to me. I want his physical features. Even tell me how he behaved, how he carried himself, his physical features. I want to know about him. Umm Ma'bad gives a beautiful description that until today it serves as one of the most beautiful descriptions of the Prophet. I would like to read for you excerpts of that description. So in describing the Prophet to her husband, Umm Ma'bad says, Meaning his cleanliness was apparent. The first thing you notice about the Prophet is his hygiene and cleanliness. Now mind you, the Prophet was four days, three days in a cave. He's migrating. He's not, you know, in his comfortable house having a shower 24-7. No, the Prophet is in a state of migration. He's moving from desert to desert, from cave to desert. Yet, the first thing Umm Ma'bad notices about the Prophet is his amazing cleanliness. And that's truly amazing. The Prophet was very sensitive about his cleanliness. In all times and circumstances, he maintained, he maintained himself very well. Then she says, His face was luminous. You, it's, we're not talking about physical light. She says, when you look at his face, it's just luminous. You feel there is this spiritual light around his face. Hasanul Khulq. We see that the Prophet is very handsome. We have also another way of pronouncing it. Hasanul Khulq. We have Khulq or Khalq, and we have Khulq. Khulq means your akhlaq and behavior. That means he his manner was perfect. But if we say Hasanul Khalq, it means that his creation was very beautiful and that he was a handsome man. She says he did not have a protruding stomach like many of those Arabs did, right? The Prophet would not eat, he would barely eat. So she made a note of that, that the Prophet was, you could tell from his body that he was not a man who would eat. He was very, very humble when it came to his food. His eyes had wideness. They were very wide eyes. Wasimun Qasim. He's very handsome, well proportioned. His eyelashes were long. She's describing the Prophet. She says, and in his voice, there is that crackle, raspiness. Now, 
I'm not exactly sure what, what she meant by this phrase, but basically the Prophet had a very pleasant sounding voice. Yes, the sahal, if you just use it to describe a horse, yes, it's the sound of a horse. So she says that the Prophet, his voice was very unique. And it had, you know, that crackle to it, such that when you hear it, it's very pleasant. It's, it's very profound, like he grabs your attention. That's what she means. She's not comparing that voice, of course, to the sound of a horse. She's just saying that it would, it would grab your attention. He has a very unique sound, a very unique voice. His neck was relatively long. Meaning the white of his eyes is extremely white and the blackness of his eyes is extremely black. So you have that very beautiful contrast when you look at his eyes. Meaning the Prophet naturally his eyes were so beautiful it's like he had put eyeliner. Yes, there are some people like that. He would, you know, he, he hadn't necessarily put any eyeliner even though in Islamic law it's mustahab. Even for men to put the actual eyeliner, the kuh, you know, not the one that they're doing these days with the pencils or whatever it is. <laughs> the actual kuh, have you seen the powder? Yeah. That powder has many medical benefits. It protects from many diseases, especially if you live in a desert environment, the eye is susceptible to many types of disease. The kuhul actually protects you from that and it strengthens your eyesight. So it is mustahab. I know now society has changed and it's awkward you know, these days for a man to do that. Uh, but in the past it was normal. This was part of normal um, Arabic custom to do that. So it was, it was nothing unusual. But she's saying that naturally his eyes looked like that. You know, they had that special feature. It's as if he had some eyeliner in it. And then azadjun, which means natural arching of his eyebrows. Shadidu sawad al-sha'r, the blackness of his hair was extreme and you know for, for the Arabs that was a sign of beauty. When he was silent he would be enveloped in this aura of respect. She was very eloquent by the way in, you know when she describes the Prophet and when he spoke it's like this light is protruding from him. When you would see him, he was so glorious, the most beautiful of people. His speech was so sweet. Then she says, In describing the Prophet, she says he wasn't too brief such that he would be cold. You know some people, like you talk to them, they just give you yes, no answers, right? That's it. They don't show you, you that warmth and that friendship. And then there are some people, Allahu Akbar, you ask them a question, they'll give you an essay. <laughs> she says the Prophet was not like that. He wasn't too brief to be cold and he wasn't too loquacious where he's talking too much. He just had that perfect balance. He says a few words, but they're very beautiful words. And then look at her description. She says, Kana mantiquhu. She says his speech were like the beads of a necklace. Have you seen a necklace how the beads are perfectly arranged? 
the words of the Prophet would fall into place like a necklace. That's how beautiful and organized his words were. Then she mentions a number of uh, descriptions which are very beautiful. In the Arabic language, if you know Arabic, read the words. And her description historically has been a source for us to understand kind of the physical qualities of the Prophet So her husband is amazed when he hears, who could this man be? Who has these features? So he responded upon hearing this description. He says, I swear by Allah, he is the one Quraysh mentioned to us about in Mecca. He is the man, all Quraysh, they're chasing him. He is the one and he is the Prophet. And then he says, I am now determined to accompany him. He makes the intention to support the Prophet if he would have that opportunity.